0: All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 19, please. Matthew chapter 19. Back in Portugal, we're on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse number 13 and going through verse number 15. The Bible says, Then there were brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto Me, for of such is the Kingdom of Heaven. And He laid His hands on them and departed thence." Now, we see here parents bringing their children to Jesus. Now, they weren't weren't dragging them. That literally means to gently guide by the hand. Now, August was always a, a horrible month for me growing up because it was the end of summer and freedom and the beginning of the school year. And always about the second or third week of August, my mother would announce it's time to go get school <laughs> supplies and school clothes. Oh, no. And you know she would have to take me by the hand and drag me to the store because it meant no more freedom. My sisters are like, woo-hoo, hoo school. You're brain dead, both of you. I asked them, it's like, look, can, can, can you go to school for me and I'll just trade you summer vacations? Hey, what do you think? My mom wasn't in favor of that either. But that's not, that's not what they were doing. They weren't dragging the kids there. They were gently leading them to Jesus. Now, what were they seeking? They were seeking for Jesus to put his hands on them. Now, that literally means... To help or protect, to guide and preserve. Yeah. They weren't just saying, okay, let's do this little uh, type blessing thing. No, we're not talking that. They were literally seeking his help, his protection, his guidance, and his preservation. They wanted, the, they wanted their children not just to be blessed by the Lord, but be, to be helped, to be guided, to be protected. That should be the desire of every parent and grandparent in this room, that God would protect our children. Why? Because there are a lot of evils out there. The world is literally trying to destroy, they're trying to steal their purity, their innocence, and trying to defile and destroy them. Look, let me tell you something, we live in an evil world and it's becoming more and more, all the camouflage is coming off. And we're seeing it everywhere. They don't even try to hide their evil anymore. So it's incumbent upon us. Can we protect our children from everything? Can we protect our grandchildren from everything? No. But the Lord can. And that's why we need to be bringing them to Him on a daily basis. Why? Because the evils are out there and they don't rest. Satan goes about day and night seeking whom he may devour. And let me tell you something. They don't rest. They don't stop. They're constantly trying to destroy, to defile, to corrupt. And that's what these parents were doing. They were bringing them to Jesus. Why? So he could bless them, so he could pray. That literally means to go to, to them on, God, on, on their behalf before God, like a, a lawyer does before a judge. Isn't that wonderful? They were wanting Jesus to represent their children before God. Man. Man. They wanted their kids to get saved. They wanted Jesus to be the advocate for their children. Well, isn't that a blessing? So, of course, the Lord's church is going to be in favor of this. Of course, his disciples are going to give him two thumbs up. Is that what happened? Nope. These guys rebuked them. Now, that literally, literally means as if they had made an error. Okay, now, now, John, can you explain that one to me? It's a mistake. To bring your child to Jesus come on Peter explain that one to me well Jesus can't be bothered with kids oh they're just underfoot they're the future of the church those little kids now in a blink of an eye are gonna be in leadership positions I mean I can remember like it was last month holding my son patting his little diaper and he's 23 and married taller than I am it's I'll tell you what it's a weird thing to go hey son it happens in a blink of an eye it feels like it anyway but you know something every day every day is an opportunity to bring our children our grandchildren to the Lord every day looking for opportunities to share with them now briefly turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 Deuteronomy chapter 6, God gave Israel a plan that He wanted for their homes. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, said, These are the commandments and statutes and judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command thee, thou, and thy son, and thy son's son all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates." And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Verse 12, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, What was God telling Israel? You need to be seeking on a daily basis, teaching opportunities. Whether it's your children, whether it's your grandchildren, whether it's just children in your home, seeking opportunities to share the Lord. I remember years ago, we were watching National Geographic on TV. And they said, millions and millions of years ago. Pause okay son what's wrong with that what millions and millions of years ago okay good this animal evolved pause what's wrong with this one son there's no such thing as evolution exactly okay unpause it takes a while to get through national geographic these days lots of pauses But you know something, I wanted to to take that opportunity. Yeah, we learn about nature, but we wanted to learn the true things about nature, not just the propaganda. But there's so many times when the world coats lies with a little bit of truth. And they try to get our children to swallow it. They try to get our children to believe it. And it happens all the time. They're trying to insert all of this stuff. Well, hey, everyone has their own truth there is one truth, and that is what God declares it to be. It's not what we want. It's not what we think. It's what he says. But you know something? Our, this, this new generation, there's no absolute truth. And they're told that by their teachers, by their professors. Whew, it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. That's why we need to be going and looking, just like what Jesus said here, just like what the Lord said to Israel. You need to be seeking opportunities when you lie down. Okay, now, I'm not a night person. I'm a morning person. So come about 10 o'clock at night, I'm I'm done for. About 10 o'clock, my wife's just getting her second wind, man. She gets inspired. She's sitting at the computer. I'm like I mean, I'm done. 10 o'clock, forget it. But six o'clock in the morning, ping. But I found out something. My wife does not have a sense of humor at six o'clock in the morning. She has to get that black, evil sludge called coffee in her system before she can have a sense of humor. But you know something, when you lie down or when you rise up, now Joshua's not a morning person either, so he was, he was more teachable at night. And I remember so many times, and I, and I miss it now, I'm in bed, I'm asleep, and all of a, all of a sudden I hear, Dad, are you awake? well I am now what you need buddy I need to ask you a question oh boy that means from about 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock I'm gonna be answering a question okay but you know something I was sort of glad to do it but you know something I'm glad I woke up I'm glad I, I answered those questions I'm glad I shared with him God's answers for his questions And I'll tell you, I miss those. I I get in bed at night and I, I miss that big old hulking brute coming into the foot of my bed and said, dad, you awake? But he wanted answers, but he wanted answers late at night. That's okay. That's why he says when you rise up, when you lie down, when you walk by the way, look, look for opportunities when you're out working outside, look for opportunities when you're going to the store, when you go to the bank, when you take them to school, look for opportunities to share Christ. Look for opportunities to tell them the difference between God's truth and the world's lies. You know what the Jews did? Well, you know, it's it's supposed to be, you know, little box. We're going to tie it to our hand or a little box. We're going to tie it to our forehead. And inside those little box, a little bit of scripture. Or we'll put it on the doorpost of our home. Is that really what God was wanting them to do? No, he wanted their minds to be filled with his word. That's why he said these words, they need to be in your heart. You know, if you're not memorizing God's word, you're showing God with your negligence that his word's really not that important. Now, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. I'll confess, okay? Memorization's hard for me. This is something that I learned that works for me. I want to memorize a verse. So every day... I read that verse out loud seven times. And after a week, I know it. I can can memorize that way. Okay, I can do that. Now, man, I'm slow, but you think about it. If you do that one verse a week, you've learned 52 verses in a year. Think about it. After 10 years, over 500 verses. Little by little, you put it in. And guess what? When you put it in, it comes out. Because it's been my experience. I, can't, I couldn't stand up and quote all the verses I've memorized. But man, when I need them, Holy Spirit has it right there. Whether I'm under temptation or whether someone asks me a question, it's right there. But it has to be put in there first. We can't expect our children to memorize verses in Sunday school and us not to do the same thing. We can't expect our grandkids. Well, they come back with their little verse tokens and they're quoting the verses and we go, well, that's nice, but I can't do that. There's a problem. God says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, look, look Jews, look Israelites, look parents, look grandparents. You need to be putting daily input into those children's lives because the world is all around them. And they're, putting, they're, they're having input from them constantly. So, hey, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you, when you go by the way, your homes are to be permeated by my, by my word. Your minds, your hands, it's not a box on the hand, on, on, attached to the hand, it's your labor. So many lessons my father taught me working. I remember one summer, I'd just gotten out of school. My dad said, we've got a painting job. It's going to take about three weeks. Oh, man, you've got to be kidding me. <sighs> Murmur, complain, grumble, moan. It was a three-story house. Old wood. Oh, lots and lots and lots of scraping to do before we ever put on the primer. <sighs> Man, I was so tired of scraping that guy's paint off. Putting it on the primer. I was stuck on the back side of the house. So, yeah, it's the back side of the house. No one will see it anyway. Paint on the window. Uh, I just slopped through it. About an hour later, my dad came around and said, what in the world is that? I what? He said, you know what? Look at that. That's the sloppiest paint job I've ever seen. That's the backside of the house. There are bushes here. No one's ever going to see it. He said, even if no one sees it, God does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never thought about him. Yeah, well, you are now, bud. He said, Mark, he said, even if the owner of the house never saw this, he said, did you do your best for the Lord? No, I did not. No. So I spent hours scraping off where i'd slop paint all over those windows but you know something i never forgot that my dad took that opportunity in my laziness and murmuring and complaining he took that opportunity to say hey you're working for the lord you're not working for this guy you're working for god we need to be looking for opportunities like that we need to be Asking God on a daily basis, give me opportunities to input in my child's life, in my grandchild's life. Why? Because the influence of the world is so strong. But God's influence is stronger. But it has to be there. And it's going to come through the parents, through the grandparents, through those adults in those children's lives. Now, God wants His people to be influenced by His Word. We have to memorize it. We have to be thinking about it. Our actions should reflect His Word, and our homes should be permeated by His Word, not by the world. You know, one of the things I I saw in, in one of our churches in Lithuania, some of the, many of the parents had no filters when it came to what their children watched on television or the music they listened to. And I tried to warn them. I tried to tell them, look, you are allowing the influence The words the mentality of the world to influence your children ah brother mark we have them in church that's not enough if you think that bringing your kids to church on sunday and wednesday is is all that's necessary you're sadly mistaken you know where those kids are today every single one of them is out in the world they're unsaved If they're married, they're married to lost people, and they're raising their children unsaved. And the parents lament, and they say, I don't understand. I raised my children in church. Yes, but you didn't live what you heard at church. That's the problem. A lot of them, oh, they had Bibles. Oh, yeah, they carry their Bibles. And then they'd leave them on their chair until the next service. There's a problem with that. And even if we take our Bibles home, if we're not reading and obeying what God says, our kids, man, they're going to pick up on that hypocrisy immediately. I called Joshua my dirt magnet because he'd always pick up on my mistakes every single time. He's like, kid, can you just look the other way sometimes? And I try to be all spiritual and preach to him, and he'd bring up what I'd done the day before. Oh, you saw that, didn't you? Oh, man. They pick up on inconsistencies. They pick up on hypocrisy, and that's death to a kid. If they see hypocrisy, everything that comes out of your mouth is rejected. Hey, that goes for grandparents, too. Let me tell you something. We have a heavy-duty responsibility to do exactly what the parents were doing in Matthew chapter 19, bring our children to Jesus, bring our grandchildren to Jesus. Why? Because He's the only one that can save them, protect them, guide them, and use them in His Father's service. I'm thrilled that God called my son to preach. I knew from the time he was eight years old that God was going to do it. And he'd ask me, Dad, what do you think God wants me to do? Asking the wrong father. Ask Him. Yeah, 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 but what do you think? It doesn't matter. What I think, what matters is what he thinks. Okay. But I'm thrilled that God called him to preach and that he surrendered. I'm thrilled that he was here and he studied. Hopefully, we'll see what what God does in the near future. We'll see what God does. But, hey, eventually he's going to be up in Oregon. Establishing churches up there. And that's not exactly friendly territory. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'd rather have him in Portugal with me. Honestly. But his heavenly father said no. He's needed in Oregon. Oh. Okay, Lord. I only have one supporting church up in Oregon. It's not like I'm going I can go in, and and every furlough spend up there. I'm not going to get to see my son that much. But I remember something my dad told me in 1985 when I was getting ready to go to the mission field for the first time. It dawned on me man, we're going to be separated more than we're going to be together. That was hard. And I said, Dad, I'm sorry. He said, don't apologize. He said, we have all eternity together in heaven to be glad we did this God's way. And he was right. And I remembered that, and I told my son that. Joshua, don't you ever be ashamed of what God's done. Don't you ever be, oh, apologetic because God's called you to be a church planter in Oregon. No? Why? Because it's God's will. And God's equipped him. He's oh, my soul. He learned so much here. My soul, he just he would share stuff and I just whew. thank you, Lord, that you brought him here. Thank you, Lord, that you had him serve here, that you had him learn here. Because the things he learned here, serving here, he'll take the rest of his life. I'm thankful. Because, you know, there's not always going to be a time where you have direct input into your child or grandchild's life. Man, I'll tell you what, I pray every day for the people that do have input into my son's life. Even though he's 23, he's an adult, and taller than me, he still has things to learn, as do we all. And I want God's influence in his life every single day. So that he can be the most effective servant he can possibly be. We need to labor in prayer for our children and our grandchildren. Praying for God's protection and guidance on a daily basis. Because there's so much out there that seeks to destroy them. I mean, I've seen it in my own life. My two sisters, called to be missionaries, divorced and out of church. Why? Because they made a wrong choice, they married the wrong guy. And then compounded and then well let's blame men let's blame God let's blame the church and poof, right. destruction right. one of my nephews is saved the rest are lost right. what is going on that's my family but they made a wrong choice right. and then they didn't repent they just kept going and now those kids that they said oh we want them to grow up to be men that serve God They're not serving God. They're in the world. Think it won't happen to your family? I thought it would never happen to my family. I was raised in a godly home, but choices are so important. And our choices have to be based on God's Word, not on our preferences. Well, I think it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what God says. And it's so easy to get swayed by the world it's so easy to be one of my sisters was saying oh well you know those degrees from Heartland Baptist Bible College it's not accredited so they're not real (coughs) come here (laughs) what do we need the approval of somebody else oh yeah we have this stamp of approval I guarantee you get that stamp of approval it's gonna be defilement of the of the doctrine It's going to be, oh, well, this guy doesn't have enough letters after his name, so he's not qualified, even though he's been in the ministry for 55 years. Let me tell you something. The world is out there, and it's like, hey, we want you to get our approval. We don't need their approval as long as we have his approval. So many times we let the world influence our decisions about career about work. Well, yeah. I've got to take this promotion because I mean it's really important. Is there a good Baptist church near? Well, no. Then it's not God's will. Period. But but my career. Really? Is that what really is important? But a lot of times we make decisions based on money, based on influence, career, reputation. Man, we need to be making our decisions based on God's truth. Period. But so many times, we allow the world, our, ourselves, to be influenced, and then that secondary influence into our lives, into children's lives, and our grandchildren's lives. They listen. They're paying attention, even when you don't realize it. They listen to conversations. They watch your actions, and they'll copy them. It's so important. So important for us back in Matthew chapter 19, like these parents, so vitally important to bring our children to Jesus. Because the tendency is, what God says here in Deuteronomy, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. It's so easy to forget God. What are you talking about? It's so easy to forget the price that Jesus paid for our salvation. It's so easy to forget how vitally important the Bible is because we have it all the time. I remember years ago meeting a a Russian Baptist pastor who had been imprisoned for 12 years in the gulag. And he said, the first thing they did was took away my Bible and they tore it up in front of me. And he said, for the next 12 years, the only Bible I had was what I had memorized. And he said, Brother Mark, he said, I realized very quickly how few verses I had memorized. And he said, God, if I ever get out of here, the first thing I'm going to do is buy a Bible. The second thing I'm going to do is memorize it as much as possible. So the next time I go to prison, I'll have a lot more of God's work. And I wept. I said, dear God in heaven, how much of your word would I have? If they took my Bible away today it's conviction but so many times we forget God we get so busy in our daily lives and in our routines and in our careers and we forget the Lord the Lord is there yeah but not as a focus we do that sometimes with our wives don't we men we get used to them and it's almost like well like our car or our truck We take it for granted until, ooh, 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 ooh. All of a sudden then, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. It happens. We take things for granted. And sometimes we forget the Lord because He's not the priority. And if we do, so will our children and grandchildren. So what did these parents do? Matthew chapter 19, they took their children to Jesus and they suffered rebuke from it. The disciples rebuked them. But what did Jesus, let's turn back to Matthew chapter 19. What did Jesus do when they rebuked these parents? Matthew chapter 19, verse number 14. Jesus said, suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Suffer literally means to allow them or offer them up as a living sacrifice, or give as a treasure to the Lord. He said, you offer your children to me as a treasure, because they are a treasure. You give them to the Lord as an offering. This is the most precious thing my wife and I have, and we give him, or we give her, or we give them to you, Father. Because we know, this isn't Molech. This isn't burning a child alive for some demon God. This is God, the Creator and Savior, who wants what is best for them. God loves your children and grandchildren more than you do. And He wants what's best for them. Sometimes serving God means sacrifice. Sometimes it means suffering, yes. But when you look in comparison to what's going on in the world... When I look at my own family and I see the destruction and the suffering going on, let me tell you something, the tiny little microscopic sufferings and sacrifices we make are nothing compared to the price they're paying. It's so easy to forget the Lord, and then the consequences come. The disciples, man, they thought kids aren't important, only adults. Man, nothing could be farther from the truth. Jesus said, you allow those children to be offered to me as a treasure because he truly loves them and he wants what's best for them. Suffer little children and forbid them not. That means do not hinder them from coming to Christ. Do not deny or refuse them the choice to serve him. I have literally heard parents tell their kids, they come down They surrendered their life to be a missionary. And I've stood in a church and heard a Christian dad or a Christian mom say, You are not going to be a missionary. I remember years ago, a couple came down, surrendered to be missionaries. They were serving in the church. And the pastor told them, Don't be swayed by emotion. Your place of service is right here, not on the foreign field. That's a dangerous place to be. Because you're saying, my wants, my desires, what I want is more important than what God wants. There's a couple in this church. Their daughter married a young man and they're missionaries. And their grandkids are on the other side of the planet now they miss them every single day but i talked to them the other day and they said but that's exactly where god wants them to be so that's where we want them to be now that is the attitude god wants from every one of us but so many times we get our wants Just like the disciples. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Jesus can't be bothered with them. Oh, yeah, He can. But so many times we get our desires and our focus and and our goals and our objectives, we get it all mixed up and we forget the Lord. But Jesus rebuked him. He said, you let them bring those children to me as a living sacrifice, as a treasure. And forbid them not. (laughs) For of such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, in order to be saved, we have to be like a child. We have to come to Christ in total faith. There are a lot of people in Portugal that, that believe in Jesus Christ, but they also believe in their good works. Oh, Jesus saves, but I have to keep myself saved. Then you're not saved. Because Jesus not only saves us, He keeps us saved. And you can't unsave yourself. He's in, you're in His hand and no one can pluck you out. But you know, there are a lot of religious people out there who believe in Jesus partially, but not completely. A kid, I mean, I remember, my son, the first time we were on furlough and and the house we were staying in, they had bunk beds. And he'd never seen a bunk bed before. And so he climbed, you know, little monkey, he climbs up to the top bunk. I'm like, ah, no, it's not a good idea, son. And he goes, catch me, Dad, and he just jumped. I mean, it's like, dude, give me some warning. But he had total faith that dad was going to catch him. Thank God I did. But he had total faith. He had no way in the world dad's going to drop me. Whoa. He loved Buzz Lightyear when he was growing up. And my, sister, my sister-in-law, she got him a little, she got a garage sale. She got a little Buzz Lightyear outfit. And he loved that thing. He'd put it on and say, make me fly, daddy. And I'd pick him up and I'd carry him like this. And he'd go, Phew. he loved it. Whew, I built up a lot of muscle, being the the rocket engines on his little Buzz Lightyear outfit. But there came a point in time where it was two hands. And then there came a point in time where it was like, you know, I'm going to fly you around the apartment one time. And then it was like, dude, you're too big to pick up. And he's like, "But, but, but dad, because a little kid, they trust in their parents completely. And that's exactly the kind of faith we need to have with our Heavenly Father. That's why the, the kingdom of heaven is of like children. Hey, children come with total faith, and that's the same thing we need to do. Amen. We need to have total faith in Christ. Why? Because he can, he can be trusted completely. We can, well, you know, this politician or that leader, or, or pfft, we can't trust people completely, but we can trust God completely. Amen. Amen. Even when bad things go wrong, like, like with Job, yep. What about with Daniel? Yep. I don't know. There comes in the doubt, and Satan loves it. You can trust God, but only to this point. Well, you can trust the Lord with your children, but only so far. Be careful with that. You can trust God completely with everyone in your life, with everything in your life. Jesus Christ rebuked his disciples. He said, you let them bring them to me. And what did he do? Verse 15. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. He blessed them. He did exactly what the parents desired. Guided them, protected them, blessed them. Now they took some hits. They took some criticism. You will too. I remember my parents getting criticized because they didn't let us go out with the other teens on Friday night after school. As a teenager, I said, this is the Hale prison. Mom and dad are the wardens and I'm the prisoner. I wasn't happy. I wanted to go out with my friends. But here was the problem. They got into trouble. They got in trouble with the law, with immorality, with alcohol. And, you know, it didn't take very long. Even in high school, I said, you know something? Mom and dad aren't being cruel. They're protecting me. They're keeping me from the destruction I've seen in my classmates. Michelle and I... We got so much criticism. You're raising Joshua in a bubble. Yep. I didn't deny it, yeah. The bubble of the Lord, why? Because there's a lot of garbage out there and I don't want my son being defiled, corrupted or destroyed. But those same parents, now they bemoan the fact that their adult children are out of church and their grandchildren are being, being raised by lost parents. We don't just don't understand it. Yeah, it started 20 years ago, people. When you started making choices based on your, your comfort rather than God's truth. Folks, let me tell you something. It's a battle from the time that child is in the womb until the time we, God takes us home. I told my son, I said, Joshua, I'll always pray for you every single day as long as God gives me life. Wherever God has you, no matter what God has you doing... I will pray for you every single day. And there are sometimes it's nonstop. He's faced with a situation or, or, or some difficulty, and oh God, please give him guidance. Please give him your wisdom because the decisions he's making could influence the rest of his life for good or for evil. We never know. None of us know what our children or grandchildren are facing, but God does. And that's why it's so vital for us to do exactly what these parents did and bring them to Jesus. In spite of the criticisms, the judgments, in spite of the Christians who think they know more, when we bring our children or grandchildren to Jesus, that's exactly what we need to be doing. It may seem an error to some fellow members of the church or or Christians that you know or family members. But remember this, Jesus blessed these children. He laid his hands on them. He saw them. Now get this, face to face. I could see Jesus cupping their little faces in his hands and blessing them. What a wonderful, wonderful thing for our children and grandchildren to know Jesus intimately, to know him as Savior and Lord. There's nothing better. Nothing better. Will you take criticism? yeah will other people not understand yeah my wife she's she's like honey um, be careful I I know other people's opinions don't really matter but just be gentle me I I don't care what they say I don't care what they think (laughs) enough why like I told my son I said Joshua God gave you to me, and I bear that responsibility for as long as I am alive to be the father God wants me to be. They don't answer for that, I answer for that. And I have to do what God tells me whether everybody likes it or not. I don't want to stand before Jesus Christ ashamed. The only thing I want to hear from Jesus is Mark, well done, thou good and faithful servant, well done man, then it all doesn't matter. If He's pleased, that's enough. Oh, how important it is for us to bring our children and grandchildren to Jesus. Amen, let's pray. Father, thank You so much for today. Thank You for the truths that we can see from Your Word. And oh, God, help us as parents and grandparents to guide and gently lead our children and grandchildren to You so that You can save them so that you can sanctify them, so they can serve you their entire lives for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.